0: The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com dot com slash winbet. That's sports gambling dot com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. you are listening to your first world cup 2022 qatar futures preview here on the soccer gambling podcast you can follow the soccer gambling podcast on twitter at sgp soccer that's at sgp soccer you can follow the sports gambling podcast network they are at the sgp network that's at the sgp network and i will be appearing on the Sports Gambling Podcast shortly to do a Futures for Dummies show for this World Cup. And finally, you can follow my Twitter account. I am at LockBettingCom. That's at LockBettingCom. So we are here to look at groups A and B for this controversial tournament that will begin on November the 20th with Qatar kicking off the tournament at home against Ecuador. That will be your game that follows the opening ceremony. And then after that, we move at a frantic pace with three or four games per day as we complete the group stage phase. Here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast, we will be releasing a podcast Every 48 hours covering those games. So to make sure that you never miss a show, make sure you are subscribed to the Soccer Gambling Podcast feed. And over at my website, LockBetting.com, I will be covering this tournament throughout and I will be releasing my futures picks in the next week or so. So make sure that you check out the service. The Twitter account, once again, is at lockbettingcom. That's at lockbettingcom. My pinned tweet is my PL from the previous month, which was actually my 113th month in a row of transparent tracked profit. So let's move on with looking at these groups. We start with, of course, Group A, where the Netherlands are the favourites to win it. They are currently available at the best price of 4 to 6, minus 150 to win group A. Senegal are the second favourites here at 10 to 3. It's 5 to 1 on Ecuador, with Qatar, the host nation, priced out at 14 to 1 to win this group. The group qualification odds see the Netherlands at 1 to 7, minus 700 to qualify, with Senegal here at 4 to 6, minus 150. Ecuador here are at five to four and Qatar, the host nation, are the rank outsiders at four to one just to qualify here from this group. The straight forecast market sees the combination of Holland first and Senegal second priced up at five to two plus 250 with Holland first and Ecuador second priced up at three to one plus 300. Senegal to win the group with Holland as runners up is available at 5 to 1 plus 500. Ecuador winning the group with Holland as runners up is at 8 to 1 plus 800. The Netherlands to win the group with Qatar sneaking in as the runners up is 8 to 1. And then at 12 to 1, you get your first combination without the Dutch, which is Senegal first and Ecuador second. That's 12 to 1. And Ecuador first and Senegal second at 14 to 1. Every other combination is above 25 to 1. Moving on to the dual forecast market. These are just the two teams that qualify from the group. This can be in any order whatsoever. The top of the market is Holland and Senegal. That combination is available at 65 plus 120. So that's Holland and Senegal to qualify in any order. Second combination is Ecuador and the Netherlands. That's available at two to one. So that would be Senegal going out in the group stage. Netherlands and Qatar to finish top two in any order is at six to one plus 600. Ecuador and Senegal to finish in the top two. That's the first combination without the Dutch. That's seven to one. Qatar and Senegal to be the top two is 18 to 1. And finally, Ecuador and Qatar, which would see Senegal and Holland going out. That is the biggest price that is available at 25 to 1. Historically, the home team usually do get out of the group, even if it means performing above expectations. Historically, through my lifetime, I remember the host nation always doing well. From Italy reaching the semi-final in 1990 to the USA getting out of the group totally unexpectedly in 1994 to France winning the 1998 World Cup on their own turf to the co-hosted Korea and Japan World Cup where both teams got out of the group stage. In fact, South Korea managed to get all the way through to a World Cup semi final. As controversial as that was, with a lot of refereeing decisions going their way. Both Germany and Brazil hosted the 2006 and 2014 World Cups, and both of them got through to the semi finals. Against expectations, Russia got through to a World Cup quarterfinal in 2018. In fact, the only example of a team who didn't make it through the group stage over the last 32 years was the South Africans who were eliminated in the group stage back in 2010. So looking at the historical data, you can make a case for this Qatar team, but that's all it would be. It will be based on historical data because on the pitch, Looking at where they rank among the teams that they've been drawn against, there is probably absolutely no chance of Qatar getting through this group and they should join South Africa as one of the only teams in the last 32 years to not make it out of their qualification group during my lifetime. I honestly believe that if it was to happen, a vast majority of people would probably be talking about controversial refereeing decisions and corruption. But corruption is nothing new to this World Cup. Corruption is why we have this World Cup in Qatar and why we're having it in November. So I wouldn't 100% write that off. But for me, it's very, very difficult to see where this team even pick up a single point in this group, let alone find a way to qualify in the top two. So who will win this group and who will qualify from this group? It's difficult for me to see past the Netherlands. Now, this isn't just because of the talent roster. Netherlands have always had a deep talent roster historically and have often underperformed in major tournaments. Last time, it was largely down to the fact that they were managed by Frank De Boer who may be the worst football manager in the history of football management. That isn't the case this time out. And even with the ball at Euro 2020, the Netherlands actually excelled in the group stages, showing what they could do until they failed to get past the Czech Republic in the first knockout round. So the players showed their quality in the group stage, breezing past what wasn't the most difficult group in the world with standout performances from Memphis Depay, Georgie Winaldum, and Denzel Dumfries, who were all phenomenal in the group stages, all racked up points for their fantasy owners. And then they fell to the Czech Republic in the round of 16. So... That was a huge disappointment, but they've made a big upgrade since then in the coaching department with uh, Louis van Gaal coming in to replace Frank de Boer. Van Gaal has already led his country to a semi-final at the 2014 World Cup, only to lose on penalties to Argentina. The Dutch have qualified for the latest Nations League finals, They are in fact the favourites to win that tournament. They still have top-class talent in the likes of um, Virgil van Dijk, Matthias De Ligt, Frankie de Jong, Memphis Depay, and the supporting cast is pretty strong as well, with only the goalkeeper, I think, being the big question mark. If the Netherlands can win their group, they would avoid playing the likes of England in the last 16, and it would probably set up a clash with Argentina in the quarterfinals. So. I would back them to do that. This team are undefeated under Van Hol. They've looked completely different. And as I said, periodically in Euro 2022 or at Euro 2022, they look good. Until they fell against the Czech Republic when they finally came up against a team who were well organised and played with the low block and were able to frustrate the Netherlands. And they needed to come up with something different tactically. In Frank de Boer, they didn't have a manager who could solve the puzzle. In Louis van Gaal, they do. And ultimately, I don't think there'll be any slip ups here. And I do think the Netherlands will cash if you back them as the group winners here to win Group A. As for who goes through with them. We've already spoken about Qatar and how I think it would require a large amount of controversy and a minor miracle to see them getting through the group stage. I think it will be Senegal who go through with the Dutch in Senegal, we have the AFCON champions here who are extremely difficult to be under manager Alois Issei. They're known for their defensive solidity despite having many attacking options at hand and Sometimes that wanting to not get beat rather than taking the game by the scruff of the neck does go against them. This is very much an Atletico Madrid approach to international football. It's not something that I'm keen on when you do have that attacking Talent at your disposal, but it has led to them being the Afcon champions. So you can't really criticise too heavily. I think they'll manage to pip an Ecuador side who are competing in their fourth tournament this century, which is a huge success for them already, as they've managed to find a way to consistently finish in the top four for South American qualifying. They possess a inexperienced squad which is why I lean towards Senegal. Yes, they have talent, but they have a lot of inexperience. They should be able to win the curtain raiser against Qatar, but that's really my main concern. If Qatar are going to produce a miracle, if they are going to deliver a standout performance and catch a team cold, it could be Ecuador. I'd much rather play Qatar later on in the tournament rather than taking them on here in the home opener where everybody who's involved in hosting this tournament or organising this tournament, when you're looking at FIFA and you're looking at the Qatari nation, everybody's going to be behind Qatar here. And usually it is better for the tournament as long as the host nation stay in it. And as I pointed out at the top of the show, it was only one of those rare instances in 2010 where South Africa didn't make it through the group stage. I don't think overall it affected the tournament. In fact, the annoying Vuvuzelas were actually reduced by the exit of South Africa. But still... It remains the only case in the last 32 years of the host nation dropping out in the group stage. I think it will happen again. So we are looking at a coin flip here between Ecuador and Senegal, but I'll go with the pedigree of Senegal as the AFCON champions to pip Ecuador here. And also the schedule, as I mentioned, doesn't help with them facing a highly motivated Qatari team, which will have the entire nation and probably FIFA and probably the referees Behind them here for the opening game. So, if Ecuador drop points in that game, they probably are in a situation where the game against Senegal becomes a must win. And I like Senegal to be able to see that game out and avoid a defeat because they have shown a knack of being able to avoid defeats in games, which obviously played a large part in them winning the AFCON. And I'm going to back a team here who know how to not get beat. Ultimately, we'd be looking at Senegal taking the approach of targeting two points in the games against Ecuador and the Dutch via two draws and then picking up the win against Qatar as they get to play them later on in the tournament. They're not playing him in the opener. So I think picking up those five points would be enough for Senegal to qualify. And we're going to take Senegal to qualify here at the price of 46 minus 150 with the same price on Holland to win Group A. Before we move on to Group B, the group consisting of England and the USA, let me take this time out to tell you guys about WinBet. If you're ready to win money and to boost your odds, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win, Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. With WinBet, you get great promos, odds and payouts, and they are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Now, the offer subject to tames, terms and conditions available at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in state where playthrough Wimbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let me also take this time out to tell you guys about the SGPN merch store. Get your holiday shopping done early at the SGPN merch store. SGPN gear is the perfect stocking stuffer for the DGEN in your life. I personally wear this merch myself. It's made by top sports companies. Some of these hoodies that the SGP have sent me, I've had them for four or five years and they still look the same. So I can't recommend it enough. Plus, from now until Thanksgiving, you can get 10% off when you use the promo code Sucks. So to get involved, head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com and use that promo code Sucks. So we now move over to Group B, where we break down England's group, where England have been drawn with the USA. So that'll be very, very interesting for our listeners. The vast majority obviously come from the US, but I would say when it comes to the soccer content, the second most amount of listeners come from the the UK. So England versus USA is going to be a fascinating game. This group is also made up of another British team in Wales and Iran, who obviously have a great relationship with the US. England are the one to two favourites to win this group. Now, this was a lot shorter. It was around about one to three or two to seven, so minus 300, minus 350. But now it's as big as one to two. This is because of England's form, which has seen them drop down as one of the tournament favourites to nine to one to win the tournament. And has subsequently led to them dropping in relation to winning the group with England now moving to the one to two minus 200 price rather than the one to three minus 300 that was originally posted when these groups were drawn. USA are available at five to one plus 500. Wales are exactly the same price, so the books cannot separate these two teams. Iran are the underdogs at 12 to one. The qualification odds see England at 1-12 with the USA the slight favourites to qualify at 11-10 ahead of Wales who are at 6-5. I mean that is paper thin the difference between those two and uh, Iran are available here at 11-4. The straight forecast market which is a team to finish first followed by a team to finish second sees England first USA second at 5-2. England first, Wales second at exactly the same price at 5 to 2. So across the board, Wales and USA have not been separated here by the books apart from the qualification odds where USA were marginally favored. England first, Iran second is available at 5 to 1 with USA to win the group and England second at 7 to 1. Wales to win the group and England second, also at seven to one. Iran to win the group and England to finish runners up at eighteen to one. And the first combination that sees England exiting the tournament at the group stage is USA first, Wales second at twenty two to one. With Wales first, USA second, also at twenty two to one, and everything else is bigger than thirty three to one. The dual forecast market here, which is any two teams to qualify in the top two, sees the combination of England and USA at six to four plus one fifty with the same price for the combination of England and Wales. England and Iran is available at seven to two with the combination of USA and Wales, which would see England exit the tournament in the group stage at 14 to 1, and everything else is bigger than 25 to 1. And lastly, I didn't cover this with the last group, but I think it's worth noting here that you can bet on the team to win the group and the team to finish last. And England first and Iran last is the favourite in the market at the price of 2 to 1 plus 200. I'm not going to run through the other selections, but I do think... There is definitely value in that selection with England winning the group and Iran finishing bottom, given that even the books cannot separate Wales and USA. And I feel the same. I do think it will be a case of England going through with one of those two teams. So before we discuss who goes through with England, let's talk about England. England obviously suffered a major dip coming into this tournament, getting relegated from the Nations League and this has subsequently resulted in prices changing on England across the board from them being out to 9-1 to one to win the tournament and from them being available at 2-1 to one, minus 200 to win the group. England are coming off a World Cup semi-final in 2018 and they are coming off losing the Euro 2020 final where they really should have won. They lost that game by a penalty shootout. But had they not dropped into a defensive formation three minutes into the game after Luke Shaw gave him the lead, perhaps they could have gone on to win that game more comfortably as as Italy were obviously rocked by England's fast start. And we've gone on to see that Italy clearly weren't as good as England made them look or anybody made them look at Euro 2020 because they aren't even going to this World Cup. They are not here, but England are. So let's focus on England. Um, the consensus is going into this tournament that Southgate isn't getting the best out of a very talented squad and it's difficult to disagree. England don't play a style of football which suits the players that they have. They go into a lot of big games with a back three when it could be argued that centre-back is the weakest position in this team. The centre-back Pairing is going to be still led by Harry Maguire and Harry Maguire isn't getting game time at Manchester United where he's dropped down to being the fourth choice centre back, although that's debatable at the moment after seeing Victor Lindelof's performance against Aston Villa this weekend. Perhaps Harry Maguire will get the start in midweek in the uh, Carabao Cup against Aston Villa and may follow up, follow that up by getting the start against Fulham next weekend as well. So Harry Maguire could play a couple of games here and I feel that will all but cement his starting place for England in their opener, when they start the tournament against Iran. That's a game where England should start off with a positive result and picking up those three points will probably leave England in a position where they can afford to draw the next two games against the USA and Wales. But that's not what England want. England want to discredit this criticism that they're getting for the poor performances that they've put out um, since since finishing runners-up in the Euros. They've been very, very poor, as I said, relegated from the Nations League and this has led to a drop-off in people believing that England actually have a chance to win this tournament for me, I've always been in the camp that didn't believe that England had any chance of winning this tournament the The football is too negative in Gareth Southgate you don't have a good enough manager to win this tournament in the attacking players that you have. When you're looking at the likes of Sterling, Grealish, Rashford, Foden, Harry Kane, you need to take games by the scruff of the neck. One positive thing he's done is I think that now Jude Bellingham is going to play alongside Declan Rice. Jude Bellingham is potentially one of the best centre midfield players on the planet in the future. So it's good to get him in as quickly as possible because it's rare that England have had this kind of top quality midfielder since the likes of Gerrard and Lampard and Skull stepped away from the game. We have been yearning for this type of player prior to that. We were looking for the next Paul Gascoigne. We're always looking for the next next player. But in Jude Bellingham, we have a very, very different kind of player. He's not like Gerrard. He's not like Lampard. He's not like Gascoigne. He's a very different kind of player. He's a modern day box to box central midfield player and um, he suits the modern day game. And I think he's going to be a starter for England for the next 15 years. So it's good to see Bellingham getting his chance alongside Declan Rice, who equally is probably going to be a starter for England for the next 10 to 15 years, especially if he gets a big move away from West Ham. Although I think he's going to be priced out of that with West Ham valuing this player well over his actual valuation at around about 150 million when really he's a 70, 80 million pound player. But still, they have quality now in that midfield area. They have quality and attack, but there are just huge question marks over their defence. They've not been helped with injuries. It looks like Reese James, who is our best right back, isn't going to be fit for the tournament. Ben Chilwell is now injured as well. So both those Chelsea players missing out. Huge question marks over the back line. As I mentioned, Harry Maguire isn't even starting for Manchester United and who will partner and probably going to be John Stones. But John Stones has started this season plagued by injuries. There's just too many question marks here for England. And there's also question marks for me as to how they reached the World Cup semi-final and as to how they ended up reaching the Euro final well they did it by being favourites in every single game that they won the draw in both of those tournaments was very very kind to England now the one game in Euro 2018 where they were an underdog was in a group stage against Belgium and what did England do they lost the game they lost the game they ended up finishing second in the group and somehow that secured England a easier path through to a World Cup semi-final because that was a bizarre tournament with Favourites to win the groups, not coming through and winning the groups and setting up an easier path for England, who managed to get through to a World Cup semi-final by defeating Colombia on penalties and then having to beat Sweden in a World Cup quarter-final before losing to Croatia from being 1-0 up a game they were favourites to win so Gareth Southgate got a lot of credit for what he did in the 2018 World Cup and yes at the start of the tournament England were not expected to be semi-finalists but at the end of the day they underperformed in that semi-final where there were favourites to get through to the final and play against France in the end we saw France versus Croatia as the World Cup final which ended up leading to Luka Modric winning the Ballon d'Or, which ended up robbing Ronaldo of the Ballon d'Or that he deserved to win that year but that's nothing to do with this. It's just a personal opinion that I wanted to get out there. So when we look at uh, Euro 2020, again, the draw was very, very favourable. England were favourites to win every single game, albeit narrow favourites in the last 16 against Germany but that was a very very poor German side by the time England overcame that obstacle. They were strong favourites in the quarterfinal and the semi-final against Denmark which they made a big big mountain out of before getting through to the final where they were beaten by the Italians who were the underdogs to get the job done at Wembley. So this is very very important to point out because if England don't win this group, they are immediately in some trouble because the easy path that has been carved out for England in the previous two tournaments won't be there because in the round of 16, they're likely to come up against Holland. And if they somehow manage to overcome that obstacle, then they're probably going to be playing against Argentina. It's also fair to say that it's not exactly going to be a picnic on the other side of the draw because if England win this group they're either going to come up against Ecuador or Senegal I lean Senegal and Senegal as we just outlined are a very difficult team to beat that's why they are the AFCON champions so England will be coming up against a very very stubborn team very very difficult to break down with attacking players who can hurt you on the counter and if they are able to overcome that obstacle they're more than likely to come up against France although we'll talk about that group on the next podcast because there is a scenario where France don't win the group and England face... Denmark in the quarterfinals, and once again, you're looking at that easy England route. If in if in some way Senegal don't go through, and England have to either play against uh, Ecuador or or even Qatar, then they have to play against Denmark in a quarterfinal. Once again, you're looking at an England team who have got through to a World Cup semi final without really having to to play anybody who they are expected to be beaten by. But ultimately, I see this as the tournament where England do fall short. I think the quarterfinals would be their ceiling and I think it will spell the end of Gareth Southgate depending on the manner of defeat. Now, if England are beaten by a penalty shootout in the quarterfinals, then I believe that Gareth Southgate will probably continue on as the England manager. But if they are torn apart by an Argentina or a France, or even if they're upset by a Senegal or a Denmark, then I believe that Gareth Southgate will part ways for England. And that will be to the benefit of the country, because it's Gareth Southgate's fault that England didn't play in a World Cup final in 2018. It's Gareth Southgate's fault that England didn't win the Euros in twenty twenty one. I know it's called Euro twenty twenty, but it was played in twenty twenty one. That's that's my opinion. And I am also of the opinion that he is wasting this top tier talent that England have. He's never managed players like this at a club level. And he's not a manager who deserves to be managing Jude Bellingham, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden. These are all players who deserve a top-tier manager. England need a top-tier manager. And I believe if we can replace Gareth Southgate and get that top-tier manager in, our chances are very, very strong in 2024 of making up for what happened in 2021 when we failed to win Euro 2020. So what about the other teams here in this group? Who will actually qualify as the second-place team? Wales are about to wait. 64 years to play on football's biggest stage again, and they have every right to feel optimistic after their showings at Euro 2016 and Euro 2020, reaching the semi-finals and the round of 16, respectively, in both of those tournaments. Um, nobody can separate Robert Page's team from the US as to who's likely to join England in the knockout stage, but I just have a feeling that Wales will find a way to get there when you see Gareth Bale coming on in the MLS final and getting that equalizer 8 minutes into injury time in extra time you can see he still has the magic to carry a team by himself in Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale they have two players who must perform in order for Wales to get out of this group but i'm gambling that they will i'm gambling that Wales will find a way to get out of this group i think the key game for Wales, is obviously against the USA. But if that ends up being a draw and doesn't decide anything between the US and Wales, then results against Iran and England suddenly become crucial. And I can definitely see that opener between Wales and the USA being quite a cagey game where there isn't a winner. So I could definitely see a draw in that game. For me, it's the other games that will decide it. And that's where I favour Wales, because I think Wales are going to be very, very much up for the Battle of Britain against England. It's also the final group game where you could argue by that point, England should have six points and maybe looking to rotate some players for the game against Wales. That would mean that Wales have a very, very good chance of getting a point, a better chance than the USA, who play England in the second game. And there's going to be no messing about and no rotation for England in that game. You also could argue that the rivalry between Iran and the USA as countries could cost the US because Iran could be 110% motivated for that game. There are no personal issues between Iran and Wales. So... The group and the way that it's structured and the way that the fixtures are laid out, that doesn't favour the US. And if the USA and Wales game does end up being a cagey draw to open up the tournament, then I would lean Wales along with their tournament experience, which they showed at 2016-2020 and a match winner in Gareth Bale who's just added coming off the bench to win an MLS Cup to coming off the bench and winning a Champions League. Because I can hear you Americans screaming at the podcast and saying, what about Christian Pulisic? What about the match winners in the US team? I don't think that the match winners in the US team are comparable to what Gareth Bale can do on his day. So I think the match winners in the Wales team does give them the edge over the US. The US reached this World Cup following a third place finish in CONCACAF qualifying. Um, They lost three of their 14 games in qualifying from CONCACAF, which shouldn't really be the case. Uh, They do come into this having avoided defeat in six of their last eight competitive games this year, but that doesn't appeal to me given the strength of competition. Here they have to come up against England and a Wales team who have done well at two major tournaments in Euro 2016 and Euro 2020. They've been able to get out of groups and I think their experience will be the key here. So I am leaning on both the British teams getting out of this group with the USA exiting the tournament in the group stage. This isn't going to be a popular pick, but I'm not here to give out popular picks. I'm here to give out winners. And that's how I see things developing in Group B. So that has been your breakdown of groups A and B. We won't be finishing with locks on the show because I'll be flooded with complaints from my clients who are paying for futures cards over at lockbetting.com. So if you want to get all of my futures plays, they will be available over there in about a week. Over here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast, we will continue on with these futures shows, looking at groups C and D, two groups that feature Argentina and France. So until then make sure you subscribe to the Soccer Gambling Podcast. Good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.